Hey, I'm Dave, one of the teaching pastors, and it's great to be here with you. Love coming up here. What a beautiful drive today. And we're talking about grace. And we're talking about this amazing kind of grace that God showers on us. And today we're talking about how to pay that grace forward. Now, if you remember back to the year 2000, if you don't, I'll kind of help you. There was this movie that came out, just a a blockbuster movie, and it was called Pay It Forward. And what happened is, in the movie, this junior high teacher goes to his students, and he says to them, listen, I want you to come up with some kind of plan, some kind of strategy to help make a great difference in the world. And so one of the students, this kid, comes up with this idea of pay it forward. So he finds three people, and he does something really kind and loving and wonderful for them, but he tells them, now that I've done this for you, you need to pay it forward to someone else. Now this movie was such a hit, it was so powerful, that we still talk about paying it forward today. Now, we're going to talk about this idea of grace, and so I want to kind of begin a little bit here with this definition of grace. Grace is the quality of God's character by which he helps us and he blesses us with good gifts without requiring anything in return. In other words, grace is this undeserved, unearned favor of God. He, he does it through forgiveness, he does it through blessings, he does it through help, he does it in a myriad of ways. He bestows us on gifts that we don't deserve, we cannot earn, and we could never pay him back. All right, that's grace, that the God, the Bible says we learned last week, pours out these undeserved favors, this undeserved love and blessings And it's not that we deserve it. We don't. We don't deserve it. We couldn't even earn it, and we could never pay him back. It's so great. But we can pay it forward. We can pay it forward. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today. You see, when you understand this grace of God, this idea that God does this, here's some some acts of grace on God's behalf that you and I are broken people, that you and I are selfish people. The Bible says that we are sinners. In other words, we, we don't always live the way God wants us to. We, we think our opinion and our ways are better than God's ways. We, we go our own way instead of God's way. We say things and we think things and we do things that offend God and hurt others. And yet God in his grace, his undeserved love and favor, doesn't pour the punishment on us. He sends his son Jesus to the earth to pay for that. That is grace. How sweet the sound that Newton said saved a wretch like me. You see, once you've experienced this great grace, in great gratitude, you pass it forward. You give it to others. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. But I want to say this. There are a lot of what I'm going to call graceless Christians. And and this is a tragedy. This is not the way God wants it. This is not God's design. And by that, I mean sometimes Christians have a bad reputation. And unfortunately, sometimes it's well-earned. 
where we are judgmental and we're critical and we're mean-spirited and we're exclusive. And that is not what God wants. That is a graceless Christian. Now, grace doesn't mean we always have to agree. Grace doesn't mean we can't have our core convictions. It does mean that we want to treat people the way Jesus treats us. All right? So that's, that's, that's how we want to talk, all right? We should treat others the way we've been treated by God. And as I've just shared with you, God, in his great grace, has forgiven us of all of our sin, all of our past sins, even our current sins, and even our future sins. God gives us mercy. In other words, he doesn't pour that wrath because the Bible says the wages or the debt of that sin, right? The debt of that sin is to be on us. But God takes that debt and he pours it onto his son Jesus. Now watch this. It says, Romans 15, 7, Paul writes to the Romans, and then he says this, therefore, accept each other just as Christ accepted you so that God will be given glory. Well, what does it mean to give glory to God? Here, here's the best way I can describe it. It's, you know those gigantic spotlights that, you know, they, they shine up into the sky and they say Batman, Right? It's the call to Batman. Well, well, when we say we want to give glory to God, it's shining the spotlight on God. It's magnifying God. It's praising God. It's acknowledging God. So watch this. God says he is magnified. The spotlight is put on him when his people accept others the way Jesus accepted us. Now, I'll never forget this. I was 15 years old. I'd grown up in religion, but the religion wasn't working for me. I go to a camp, and the speaker says this. He says that God loves you in spite of yourself. And that was really powerful for me. You mean God loves me in spite of my selfishness? Right? God loves me in spite of some of the mean things I can do? You mean God loves me in spite of some of these words that have come out of my mouth that have hurt people? And I was just stunned that God accepts me in spite of myself. See, that's the beauty of the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gives us his son, Jesus. And Jesus dies to pay for all of my unacceptable behavior, unacceptable thoughts. I mean, that is really profound. You know, this past week in our small group, there's this new Christian woman. Her name is Jenna. And she tells this story. She's on her way to work the other day. And she's late because traffic's really bad. But she sees that this man had to pull over because he had a flat tire. He had to pull into a parking lot because he didn't have a spare. So he's running to get the bus because there's obviously an important appointment he's got to go to. He misses the bus. He's dejected. He's discouraged. So she passes by him, and she thinks, you know, it's a guy. I'm a woman. I shouldn't stop. But, but she turns her car around. She goes up to him. She had an important appointment. It was to court. And if he missed the court appointment, he was in really big trouble. 
So she takes him to court. He thanks her, and she tells us why she did it. Now, she doesn't know the topic this week, okay? She said, well, I wanted to pay it forward because God has been so gracious to me, I wanted to show the love of God to someone else. And I'm like smiling. I said, you speak for me this weekend. I just said, you're already doing it. She goes, that's not the title of the message. I go, yes, it is. Incredible. Pay it forward. Accept others. She didn't spend a lot of time, any time judging him, criticizing him. She loved him in the love of Jesus. How about you? See, this is where you come into the message. Are you a grace-filled person? Or are you a judgmental Christian? A critical Christian? I mean, honestly, which one best describes you? And sadly, a lot of us are the judgmental type. We're the critical type. Now, I know that you're a wonderful person. I know, right, you're special. I know that God is lucky to have you. I know you're Mr. Wonderful in your own mind. But why would God really accept you? Really? The truth is because he's wonderful. Not because we're wonderful. Because we're not always wonderful. Tell you a story Jesus tells to make the point. It's Matthew 18. All right, and this is an important story in Matthew 18 because Jesus wants to confront kind of phony religion with authentic lovers of God. And so this guy goes to the king and he says, King, have mercy on me. I know I owe you a debt. The guy in today's money owes the king millions of dollars. So he obviously owes a debt he cannot repay. Now, when Jesus is telling the story, everybody knows the ending. You do that to a king, you die. But the king shocks him. He says, king, could I have more time to repay this debt? The king doesn't want better. He goes, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to pour out grace to you, give you what you don't deserve. I'm going to forgive the debt in total. So this guy leaves the king not dead, but his life is transformed by the king's grace. Now his, his servant comes up to him and he says, he says, sir, you know I owe you a couple thousand dollars. Would you please give me some time to pay it back? The king says, you wicked, lazy servant. And he casts him into prison. The guy who's been forgiven so much. So now let's take up where Jesus goes. Matthew 18, 32. Then the king called the man who had been forgiven. And he treated a servant. He said, you evil servant. I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? You see, mercy is a form of grace. Mercy says, I should judge you for what you've done, but I'm going to choose not to, and I'm going to bless you instead. All right? 
Now, I want you to think about something. This is painful. How judgmental are you? Now, the Bible says, let me help you. The Bible says we're to make judgments all the time. So don't get the two confused. But I mean where you look down at someone, where you gossip about them, where you're critical about them, where you're not doing it for their benefit, you're doing it to get a little anger out. You're doing it because you're kind of prideful. You think you're better. That's toxic stuff. See, giving grace is supposed to help other people's flourish and grow. Do you know one of the reasons you're here is God wants you to be a grace giver, not a criticism giver. Well, my gift is criticism. That's, that's my gift to my family and my friends. So that tells me you don't have much of a family and you have no friends. No, God put you down here to receive his grace and then to pay it forward. That means, and this is going to be the hard part of this message, the only way you can really be a grace giver is if you could admit how selfish and broken you are. And that is really hard for us. It's really difficult for people to admit their brokenness and their selfishness and their sin. But I want to show you this. So James writes, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. This is fascinating. Confession means to agree with God. So just how, so you know, when we say you need to confess that, you're saying you need to agree with God, what you did, what you thought, what you said was wrong. So that is in this vertical relationship. And we can do that with God every day, and we should do that with God every day. But it also says here, it's horizontal, that when you and I confess to each other, watch this, it can literally heal us. This is powerful. In other words, if I keep my sin secret, uh, let me give you a little phrase. Secret sin leads to more sin. Secret sin leads to more sin. Sharing sin leads to more healing. Which one do you want in your life? And a lot of us keep it secret. We keep it hidden. We don't tell anybody. And we stay in the vicious circle of sin. So God says, I want to free you from that because I'm going to pour my grace into you. I'm going to forgive your sin, right? It's beautiful. I'm going to forgive it. But I also want you to confess to one another. And really, this is not easy. So I want to talk to you about this a little bit because this is kind of hard to do. Because we're all prideful people. So I want you to learn to confess in your families. See, when we were raising kids, I want to talk to all parents and grandparents here. We had this little thing called time out. Time out is where you put your child when they're misbehaving. It dawns on me, I have three adult children now, that there were times I was misbehaving in my treatment of them. I lost my temper, I was too controlling, I was too demanding. So I started this thing and gave my kids, I really did this, permission to put me in time out. Man, did I stay in time out a long time. 
I wanted to model for them, your dad needs forgiveness too. Your dad is broken also. Now, we didn't do it all the time. They would take advantage of that, and I could never leave the house. How about marriage? Here's one for marriage. Anybody who's married. Now, before you do what I'm about to ask you to do, call an ambulance, and I'll explain why. You call an ambulance, then you do this. You go to your spouse very quickly and say, I just want to fully apologize for what I've done. I am so sorry. I'm totally responsible. I'm not going to blame it on you. And then you say to them, now I'd like to hear how you feel, and I want you to talk as long as you want, and when they get done, you say, is there more I can hear? The reason you call an ambulance, because they have fainted. Because you've never confessed like that, and certainly never asked to hear what they have to say. So call 911 first. See, I think marriages could be healed and restored by confessing our sins to one another. Instead of blaming, blaming, blaming. And then if you mentor someone, you're discipling them, or in your small group, and someone comes to your group, and they decide to share... You don't say, wow, that was terrible. You should be ashamed of yourself. You know, when we do that to each other, we just tell them it's not safe. We just tell them, you got to be a fake Christian. You got to wear a mask. We should be the safest people in the world because we're all broken. Now, Jesus has something to say about this as well. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. That sounds like a lot of religious people that are graceless. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. Now, let's understand a Pharisee. A Pharisee was seen as the most religious person on the planet. They dressed a certain way. They ate a certain way. There were 600 commandments. They said they tried to keep them all. They not just memorized passage, but entire books of the Bible. I mean, these guys said, we are the really righteous ones, and none of you are. All right, so this Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. Remember, a tax collector ripped people off, so people hated tax collectors. So we have this guy who's super spiritual, and this person who's a super sinner, and they both need God, supposedly. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm like the other people. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers. Right? I'm the good guy. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. Can you imagine being in a public place and praying, saying you're a spiritual one, and saying, and God, I'm glad I'm not like, like, like her. God, I'm not like those balcony people. <laughs> okay, we understand part of that, but still, can you imagine the arrogance? 
and the spiritual pride and the gracelessness. Now let's watch this. Then the tax collector stood at a distance. So he doesn't even dare really come into the temple area. He dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, Oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. Which one are you most like? Which one of these people best describes you? I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. In other words, justified means was made right with God. Was in good standing with God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. You know what Jesus is looking like if you're going to be a grace-filled person? Humility, honesty, confession, the one guy confesses, the other guy condemns. We should be people confessing our mess to God every day. You know, we should be people keeping short accounts with God every day through the day saying, God, I'm sorry I thought about that, God, I'm sorry. Because when you do that, you understand even though you're forgiven, that you still have issues, you still need the grace of God to forgive you. When you receive that, you are so grateful and so thankful, you want to pass it forward. So do you pass condemnation, or are you all about confession? I really believe in the church today, we've got to get back to confession. It just needs to be daily. It just needs to be normal. And then we'll get healed. Now, I, I want you to find a safe person to confess to. I want you to find a safe place. But find it. Why? Because the world needs more grace givers. The, the world is so critical today. You, know, you guys know this and I know this. This world we live in is so critical today. It's so condemning today. Social media is destroying this country at some levels. Now, I'm not anti-social media. I'm anti-destroying each other through critique and through criticism, through a culture of criticism. God's people aren't to be that way. When we find a weakness, and we will find it in everyone, by the way, we're to give grace. We're to give mercy. We're to be patient. The Bible word for patience means long-suffering. And by the way, while we're suffering long, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, long-suffering, and while it suffers long, it is kind. That's how God is. Now, I want to show you something else. In Hebrews 12, 15, it says, Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. This is a profound verse. You know, when you come to church, we all think we're the audience. We come to receive. But actually, worship is for God. When we come to church, it's upward. It's God's the audience, 
And we're here to praise him. We're here to pray, pray to him. We're here to get our marching orders from him. Worship's about God, for God, to God, through God, in God. But there's another reason we attend worship. It's for each other. Look after each other. So when you come to church, I hope you never come the same. The same way. I hope you come saying, God, I understand when I come to church, it's for you. Now, I get a benefit of that because you're gracious, but it's also for others. Do you know one of the reasons you're part of the family of God is your role and my role is to share God's grace with people. So every Sunday when I come to church, I just look out and say, is there someone I can encourage? I really do. Is there someone I can help? Is there someone I can listen to? Watch, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. The grace of God is poured out by his people. So when I come to church, I want to pour a little grace out on somebody. A little compassion, a little mercy, a little forgiveness, a little love, a little handshake, a little hug, a little how you doing, a little listening That's what we're called to do. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. And all of a sudden, this verse just exploded in my mind. I either come to share God's grace, or I am a poisonous root that destroys things. What does poison do? Poison kills. That's what poison does. Poison kills friendships. Poison kills marriages. Poison kills families. Poison can kill churches. So so what he's saying is we all have a choice. I'm going to be a conduit of God's grace and and love people, or I'm going to be like the culture that is full of rage and full of criticism and full of a judgmental spirit. One is going to bring life and one is going to bring death. Which one are you? Which one, if you look at your last week or your last month or your last year, Have you spent more time criticizing, critiquing, evaluating, gossiping, or have you spent more time looking for someone standing alone, looking to help someone, encourage someone, love someone? Which describes you? Grace or poison? Undeserved love and favor or poison? So here's how I'm going to end. I want to speak to two groups. Number one, you might be here and you've been hurt by graceless Christians. I'm sorry about that. I I truly am. Maybe you're here and you don't even know this God of grace. Well, for you, I offer you Jesus who loves you and died for you and paid a debt you could never pay. I I just want to offer you the God of grace to guide your life and heal your life. For the rest of us who know this Jesus, I want to encourage you to beg this God of grace 
to open your eyes and open your heart and open your hands and your feet to say, God, help me never be the same. Help me dispense your grace to as many people as I can because I am so thankful and I am so grateful what you've done for me. Let's pray. Dear God, I just want to take a moment and I want to thank you. I really do. I want to thank you for the grace you've poured out on every person here. That you love them, you care about them, your son died for them. Not because they deserve it, not because, God, we've earned it, but because you're loving and you want to share grace. So, God, I pray for the people here that, Jesus, they need you, this God of grace in their life. Just ask him to come in. Confess your sins. Admit that you can be selfish and stubborn and sinful. And ask him to help you become kind and patient and loving. And dear God, I pray for the rest of us that do know you and do love you. God, I pray that in our heart of hearts, we might be grace givers. Help us to share your grace. The world desperately needs your grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.